Exceeding Expectations, episode 43. Welcome to another episode of the podcast where we aim to give you ideas of how you can give your customers better experiences. In this week's show, the guest is Jason Wasser. He's a human optimizing specialist, and we're going to hear about how he's managed to cure various phobias and addictions. And he's actually a, as a certified hypnotherapist. Um, he's a neuro-emotional technique pr- practitioner and also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And uh, we're going to hear quite a few stories from Jason and some of the things that he's done for some of the patients he's been working with. If you've heard this uh, podcast before or if you enjoy this episode, please do think about leaving us a review on iTunes or one of the other platforms. And why not share it with some of your friends? Share it via Facebook and Twitter and all of the other social platforms. And that will help get the podcast to more people. Right now, it is time for this week's episode. And here's Jason. Exceeding expectations, and my guest this week is Jason Russell. How are you, Jason? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. That's it's fine. And you're down in um, Fort Lauderdale in the United States. Yes, that's correct. Enjoying the uh, and beautiful weather. I'm going to say it must be. I mean, you know, but here in London, I I say that I would imagine the weather's a damn sight finer where you are than it is here. Yes, but there's probably a little bit more culture going on there right now than there is right over here. So I think we're, I'm not sure. we, went in, we went in different not, departments of different categories, I guess. Well, I don't know about culture at the moment with our never-ending Brexit shenanigans, but yeah, we won't go. We won't go into that. And I think that is officially the first time Brexit's ever been mentioned on this podcast, and hopefully the last as well. <laughs> well, you are welcome. <laughs> See what I evoked already. I'm already causing trouble. <laughs> So Jason, you're, um, you're a therapist and you do, you, it seems to me from what you had, the conversation we were having before, you're, you have a very different approach to what most people think of as a therapist. So do you want to, to kind of explain that and how it all came about? Sure. So, so I believe that therapy isn't just about sitting there and talking it out. So over the last many years, I've jumped down the rabbit hole of um, what we would call integrative or alternative uh, medicine approaches to dealing with stress patterns that we have that are both either, so to speak, turn into emotions that are, you know, runaway emotions, anxiety, depression, uh, self-sabotage, self-doubt, worry, or that actually turn into chronic physical pain. And... Mm -hmm. Once I started going down that rabbit hole, there was really no coming back. And I'm certified in a modality called neuroemotional technique, which has been around for about 35 years. And mm-hmm. um, it actually uses the format of muscle testing, neurological muscle testing, to determine if there's a fight or flight response in the nervous system, right? Which is different than you talking about a problem. Like if you're stressed out about something, you can rationally explain it to me. But what we're doing is we're bypassing that rational brain. And getting into Mm -hmm. the fight or flight part of your nervous system to make sure that there's no disconnect between the two. And if there is, we use this technique to kind of find out what that story is and to help change the nervous system around that. And and so what was it that led you into all of this in the first place? So I've always been curious about these approaches. I did not know 
that me as a therapist can actually apply them and practice them as a clinician um, mm-hmm. until many years ago, I was actually going through some major significant anxiety um, to the point mm-hmm. where I was actually having panic attacks. And mm-hmm. I tried a bunch of different things. I tried meditation, uh, which helped. I was doing some uh, working with a nutritionist at the time, which um, helped as well. Um, I did some acupuncture, which was also part of the package, but nothing really got in there as deeply um, as I really wanted to really get this resolved. And a really good friend of mine recommended me to see a colleague and um, who was also a therapist. And I did one or two sessions with this person using this technique, even though I kind of knew about it already from another training, but never really delved into it. And after that first or second session, a thought that would keep coming up and triggering me that would lead me to more of a anxiety provoking emotional reality literally slid off Mm -hmm. my brain. Like there was Vaseline on my brain. So I thought about it, but then it didn't trigger me the way that it triggered me in the past. And it was like, Oh, okay, well that was weird. And, Mm -hmm. um, within a month I, I, I I flew to my first, uh, training in this. Mm -hmm. And from there it's been an incredible, incredible experience. Um, um, one of five or six mental health practitioners in the world that have their top level certification. There's thousands of people who are certified in it, but there's three levels of certification. And I'm one of a handful of mental health practitioners that have gone that far mm. in this community. And, and you mentioned the, at the start of that, that how it was, you know, you were having panic attacks and is it, would I be right in thinking that most people who get into therapy have had some sort of major issue that has helped them to understand how much a thera- therapist can help someone? That would definitely probably a fair assumption. I think every human being has gone through a fair amount of stuff. Um, mm. you know, on the macro sense of everything, whether it's a therapist or just a, you know, a mere mortal, um, yeah, the mm. average human being mm. is that what's the level of self-awareness that you have, mm. right? Are you willing to take accountability and responsibility and ownership of what you're going through and then find the mm. right resources to, help resolve that. Um, Mm. And that's one of the things I do as a therapist. Yeah, I've had um, some significant life traumas. Um, I didn't realize until later on how significant they might have been. My parents went through a really, really, really awful divorce. Um, I went through a lot of trauma with that, not realizing how traumatic it was until I was a young adult. Um, And Mm. I think I can definitely bring some unique perspectives to my clients, Mm. whether it's my couples or my uh, teenagers or young adults that I'm working through that may have gone through some type of family dynamic, whether it's divorce or Mm. some other type of trauma. Um, But I don't think that also limits me to not being good in other areas, but um, it's definitely Mm. something um, I would say maybe I enjoy working with a little bit more. And so when you're, when someone first comes to you and you, they start opening up about whatever the issue is that they have, is it, I guess it's, how is it that you're able to decide straight away what is going to be the best form of to to react to whatever it is that they're saying? Whether it's going to be, oh, this is going to be, I'm going to need some hypnotherapy here or I'm going to need the neuroemotional technique. How is it that you go about deciding that all? That's a really amazing question. So I think right off the bat, when someone comes in, I really need to decipher what it is that they wanted to accomplish. Because there's a difference between talking about a problem and being saturated in a problem and focusing on what would life be like if that problem no longer existed. And there are many therapists out there that would focus and go through a whole life story and take five, ten sessions to just get through all the data, all the life story, you know, all the traumas and all of that. And for me, 
I'm more focused on where would you want to be if this was no longer a concern for you. Mm. I'm not, I'm not mm. necessarily focusing on what I need to do yet, uh, what modality would be the best fit. I just want to know what that, what they think their life could look like if that didn't exist. Mm. From there, it could be a, a variation, um, and I always really do a variation. With my clients, it's a mixture of therapy, coaching, consulting, and this integrative approach of alternative medicine. Um, sometimes I might be, I might refer them out to see a colleague of mine uh, if it's if I feel like it's coming from a biochemistry perspective, and I'll send them to someone who does functional medicine and functional nutrition to kind of get their hormones and their biochemistry back in balance, mm. and, and then say, okay, do that for a month and then come back to me. So sometimes I'll be the quarterback, right, and kind of strategically place them where they where I think the best. Um, actions to be. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit more proactive where we're going to come up with a game plan um, where we can create what I call a lifestyle by design, um, where they have the five highest priorities in their life and action plans around that and decipher what they want in their life versus what they don't want in their life. Um, but for me, as a integrative practitioner who focuses on the mind-body, um, I don't think I can let go or forget that there is a nervous system response. And I typically will integrate uh, NET with anything that I'm doing anyway. Hmm. And is it ever a case of, I imagine that most people, um, well, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but a lot of people wouldn't have much uh, knowledge of really what hypnotism is is involved in in that. And so therefore there might be a, a fear about that or because they've seen hypnotists on TV shows, you know, doing these crazy stuff. So is it ever a case of you suggest something like that and people are very reluctant or very fearful even of having something like that? Well, I think that would apply to anything that might cause more change in their life than they're comfortable with. And I think that's why most people stay stuck in the first place, because the outcome of change leads to a life that will be completely possibly inconsistent with the life they're living now. And that's really scary. So mm. whether it's hypnosis and, and just for the listeners, and this also depends on um, where one lives and the country they, that one lives, there's a very big difference between someone who's a hypnotist and someone who is a licensed or certified hypnotherapist. So in Florida and America, um, you have to be a licensed medical professional in order to practice mm. hypnotherapy. Mm. And if you're not, otherwise you're doing hypnosis or hip, you're a hypnotist. And there's a difference between mm. clinical hypnosis and what I would dare say is recreational uh, or even stage hypnosis. So just mm. because someone sees someone in a suggestive experience in a show or a movie, um, that, that's not what I would consider clinical hypnotherapy. Um, the first thing to know is that you're completely in control at any point in time. You can stop the experience at any point in time. There's no ability that any hypnotherapist should have or could have to control you or make you do something that's out of your safety or out of your ethical or moral boundaries. You'll, you'll be aware of what's going on. Um, yeah. But I think taking it to any modality that someone either isn't familiar with or that even that a close friend or family member hasn't gone through that they trust their suggestion will make it a little bit more difficult to buy in unless they're just so experimental that they're like, oh, I'll try anything that works. Um, and there are people out there that do that, but I can imagine that if they haven't heard about neuroemotional technique and they just see it on my website, maybe they watch some of the videos, there's a documentary on Amazon Prime um, or iTunes called Stressed, which is about neuroemotional technique and the clinical research they're doing on it for PTSD, post-traumatic stress. Um, mm. So I really try to give as much data as possible and say, listen, I don't think you're ready yet to come in. Watch this, read this, let me answer any of your questions, and then we'll schedule you something. So 
I really do want to make the person as comfortable as possible and not let them feel like I'm going to overpower or manipulate the situation because then, you know, the therapeutic trust doesn't really go so far and they won't get what they want out of the process. I mean, before we started uh, recording, you, you talked about how you've, you have been able to have some real life changing results with some of your patients. Would you like to, to talk about that? I was at a conference with uh, giving a presentation on this to my uh, local family therapist. And one of my colleagues had a massive lifelong snake phobia to the point where when she was even describing the phobia and talking about snakes, she actually started shaking. And so I gave that as a demo in front of the, the group of people. And by the end of the 15 minutes, her thinking about it no longer was triggered. And she emailed me later that night saying that she's been on YouTube for the last hour watching videos about snakes and researching them and all the different types of snakes, which was like blowing her mind. So Mm. those are just two really cool um, examples of within minutes, how NET can really transform the dynamic of someone's, you know, phobias, but it's not just about phobias, but I can deal with um, stress patterns and self-sabotage about family, about money. Um, one of the areas that I love working with is something that I call emotional allergies. And that's really how you perceive something else, such as a family member or a loved one or someone you're in a relationship with. And they don't even need to be there for us to evoke what your nervous system goes into when you're interacting with them. And I use that to help make you know any of my, the relationships uh, of the clients that I'm working with better, whether it's about a person, whether it's about money, um, to help them get more of what they want instead of going into a fight or flight triggered response. So are you saying then that therefore uh, someone might be having a, a, some kind of a marital dispute and only one of them attends and it, you can improve the situation just by speaking with one and without speaking with both of them? Absolutely. And obviously there has to be ownership on both sides and, you know, it really, again, depends on the circumstances, but let's say someone definitely carries way more of a stress pattern um, or an anxiety mm-hmm. pattern or there's something that's going on in their world, as much as the interrelational, interrelational uh, dynamics can affect where the other person can up their game in being supporting or being more involved in like you know their love languages and, and, and tapping into that a little bit more. But if someone's coming in and, and they're looking at a scenario or they're experiencing a scenario and unconsciously their brain is filtering it to something that reminds them that of, of an old trauma or an old anxiety provoking experience and they have no awareness of it. They're going to go back into that physiological nervous system response and that's going to play out in that dynamic between the two of them. So are there, are there typically things that take a long time to resolve? And I mean, you, you talked about how some of those, uh, conditions such as the snake uh, phobia and so on you're able to resolve very quickly are there things that really take a long time to resolve i can't i i don't have kind of an over under of how many sessions uh like i can have the same circumstance with a different client and it can take a handful of sessions but they also might have a nutritional deficiency that's uh provoking let's say like they 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 may drink a little bit more often and therefore because of that um they're vitamin b deficient they might have more some uh, vitamin b deficiency and vitamin b deficiency mm. is linked to additional stress patterns uh, and how the body mm. handles stress so you know we would want to determine and i kind of look at things kind of like a uh, an american baseball field where you have the pitcher's mound where the the person throwing the ball to the batter right so you put whatever the issue is on the pitcher's mound and we look at four different domains one would be 
emotional. Is this just an emotional conscious or unconscious stress pattern? Second base would be uh, nutritional deficiency. Is there anything that the person is going through that's, that either organically is causing a nutritional deficiency um, or that they're just in need of a, a certain food substance or a nutritional substance that will help amplify their body's processing of stress? Uh, and then the last base, third base would be uh, toxicities. There's stuff that they're environmentally being exposed to, such as a toxin, a food chemical, um, you know, uh, a cleaning supply like ammonia that, that they've, that they've been uh, brought, you know, that's been brought into their body that's also messing with their biochemistry. And the last thing would be structural, would be the chiropractic um, body or physical therapy body-oriented technique, which is what I would refer out to a colleague uh, to do the adjustment, so to speak. But that adjustment or that physical component can be held in place by any of those other three bases, such as the emotion, the lack of nutrition, or the toxicity. So I'm really assessing for all four of those areas and making the appropriate referrals for the things that I don't personally do uh, as a practitioner. So how would you, um, what kind of indications would you get from them in the first place to make you think, oh, there's a vitamin B deficiency here? How does that all come about? Sure. So one of the things that we do with every one of my clients and um, anybody out there who's listening can do this assessment themselves. Um, it's actually on my website, uh, thefamilyroomsfl.com. And if you go down to the bottom of the website, there is something that says wellness check. And the wellness check was created by NET to kind of where you would put in your symptoms based on how intense or how frequently they're happening to you. And we kind of gauge over the last 30 or 60 days is kind of the place to kind of look at it. And you go symptom by symptom. And what that does is that translates those physical or emotional symptoms into a five element or Chinese medicine philosophical lens. And we can use that to assess which uh, pathway, which meridian, the way that they describe it in Chinese medicine, um, that there's the five main pathways, um, or well, there's a little bit more than five, but the, the ones that we're looking at um, will have that, so to speak, energetic physiological blockage, and that can help us determine a what emotions they're going through, but b also what physical symptoms that they may have complained about their stomach, but they have a lot of low back pain, or um, they may, may feel that they drink that there's a lot of drinking, and therefore they're a little bit more stressed out, and again, like a vitamin B deficiency or their adrenals. Are shot. They're not sleeping well. Um, they're walking around with just exhaustion. Um, they're unable to concentrate. They're moody. I would automatically look for something going on in their adrenals. And I'm assessing this all through a natural approach. Once I have that assessment uh, test, I can then go in and start using NET to figure out what's either the emotional, nutritional, or biochemical uh, issue that's holding them back. And by taking this approach, I mean, it's, it sounds so different to anything I've heard before. So I imagine, therefore, there's going to be people who have come to you that have been going to see their, their doctor for years and have made no headway with you know, whatever it is that they're the issue they have. And they've come to see you. And because of this, the way that you're looking holistically at many other areas, that you're able to get results that they just haven't been getting with other people they've been seeing. Yes. And that's consistently where I'm getting a lot of my referrals from. And it's not just locally. And I actually do a lot of consultation with people who are around the world. 
And I may not do the actual clinical practice of it, but like I said, I'll be the quarterback and kind of game plan all the different um, people that they need to see to kind of streamline the process. So yeah, for I have clients that have gone, you know, to psychiatrists for anxiety medication, or they've been to physical therapy or physiology, right, or physiatrists as it's, as it's in like, I think it's called in the UK, right? And they're, and they're just not getting or feeling any better with that pain in their shoulder. And um, we found through this modality, which actually originally came out of chiropractic, that 60, 70, 80% of unresolved physical and chronic pain actually has a somatic emotional component to it. And it's actually keeping that in place. So the longer that that stays stuck, the longer the injury is going to stay there. So hmm. if, we tr- if we pull that out, the body can then naturally heal itself the way that it's actually programmed to do. And so what you just said there has really surprised me. So you're dealing with clients internationally because I would have thought something like, you know, what what you do is purely face-to-face people living sort of locally. Well, from the traditional therapy perspective, yes. From my coaching and consulting side, I see people uh, all over via the internet. And again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to do NET. NET has to be done with something in person, but there is a network of of certified practitioners all over the world. So depending on where they are, I mean, they may have to travel a little bit more, you know, uh, than typical. Um, but if that's something that they're really stuck with and they're really have gone from place to place, then it might be a, a worthwhile investment for them to jump in the car um, or, or jump on a short plane flight to, to take a day and meet with a practitioner like this. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the work I do is that we can figure out years of, of, of chronic complaint about an issue or, uh, about a relationship dynamic or a self-sabotaging belief in a matter of a short period of time and then send them back on their way and they can notice the differences over the next, you know, period of time. I imagine there's something, I mean, I've, I've got a particular person I know in my mind at the moment who is very anti anything alternative. They just instantly dismiss it because they think it's got no value at all. Sure. So have, have there been cases like that where someone has maybe reluctantly come to you or for some reason they've, they felt they've had no other choice and, and you've been able to turn things around and, and change their whole opinion about yeah. So first, let's let's I want to address the idea of this being an alternative um, medicine. Really, it does fall out under that because it's alternative to what's being offered out there. I don't really think it's alternative. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we're playing with the nervous system, and I keep using that term physiology, which is right the mm-hmm. biochemical responses of what's happening in your body and the way that your body responds to that. That's all mm-hmm. connected to the three parts of your brain the rational part of your brain, your neocortex, the mammalian part of your brain, which is the part of your brain that doesn't really have an idea of, of, of timeless memory, right? Something that happened five years ago. If you listen to a song from high school that you really liked, your nervous system is going to start flooding with, um, with, with, a, with a biochemical response the same way it did when it was back there. And a negative experience would do the same thing. That's your mammalian part of your brain, this idea that it doesn't have a, an awareness of time. And your reptilian brain is really that fight or flight, you know, approach, avoid paradigm. So the three parts of your brain, when they're not in sync, turn into these triggers and traumas. And we're really mm-hmm. dealing with nervous system neurology and physiology, basically somatically, how things get stuck somatically, and, you know, in your body and, 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 mm-hmm. and go bypass, bypass that traditional talk. 
Let's just talk it out. So the cool thing is, is that NET has a research foundation. It's called the One Research Foundation. And they actually published recently, after doing a, over a year-long study at Jefferson Medical School in Philadelphia, they have an integrative medicine department as part of their medical school. And uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Daniel Monti, who's a psychiatrist, um, very well published, very well um, known in the academic world, as well as he's been uh, in a bunch of uh, documentaries about mind-body connection and, and healing, um, was the lead for the study using neuroemotional technique for post-traumatic stress for clients who have had cancer diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And they brought in Dr. Andrew Newberg, who is one of the top neuro a neurologist in the world. He's a neuroimaging, neuroimaging specialist. And they mm-hmm. combined the resources with treat, treating patients um, and show pre and post using functional MRI what happened to the brain, where the brain would light up with traumatic experiences when they were thinking about it. And then after three to five sessions of NET, where the brain would no longer light up in the same trauma centers as well as the client mm. reporting and, and other assessments that they use. And that's been published in the Journal of Cancer Survivorship, which is one of the top journals uh, regarding cancer research to study. Mm. So you mentioned meditation. Mm-hmm. And there will be a number of people who, they just feel that meditation is some woo-woo thing and it doesn't work and it's, it's a waste of time. But what are your thoughts? I mean, clearly meditation does work. So Absolutely. how, if, if someone responded like that to you and said, oh, well, that, that's not going to help me. Well, number Have one, I would want to figure out what's the reason why the person is not willing to do whatever it takes for them in an ethical and moral way to get help, even if they don't yet believe mm. that it works, right? So mm. uh, we can have that experience. That, that, that's like someone saying, like, I don't like avocados, so therefore I'm never going to eat avocados, but I don't know why I don't like avocados. They just look gross and mushy, right? So there's mm. always an experience mm. behind that or belief behind that of what's holding mm. them back. So on one level, I would mm. have a conversation around that. On another level, I would say, well, it sounds to me like the problem isn't bad enough for you yet that you're willing to do something that you can't mm. control or understand why it would help you. And I would challenge mm. them on those assumptions. Um, I know that every client is not going to be for me, mm-hmm. but I also know that that person is probably keeping themselves stuck in a way that, like I said about change, change is scary. And they're finding mm. a self-sabotaging way to keep them stuck. Because the problem serves them in some capacity more than it solves them to actually solve the problem. Hmm. So when it comes to meditation, now to answer that part, at any given point of our day, we're actually in some form of possibly a meditation stage if we're a state if we're focusing on something, if we're uh, trying to calm ourselves down, if we're trying to just focus on, you know, just breathe, right? If things happen autonomically, uh, right? Our, mm. our nervous system responds, our, our body does things, um, you know, in of itself, um, autonomously, excuse me. And meditation is just a practice of being in alignment with that, right? And guiding mm. it gently to doing something differently than we wouldn't if we weren't able to focus on and take a step away from our active and hectic experiences. Hmm. But I think people sometimes they think about meditation and they think about having to sit in a lotus position and, and so right. on. And yeah, yeah, meditation you could do you know while you're driving. I've I've worked with high school students and um, I taught them how to do it while they're in the middle of class. Um, there's on my website as well. There's the first aid stress tool, which actually 
is a way that you could do an aspect of neuroemotional technique by yourself by tapping into the Chinese medicine pulse points on your wrist and by slowly starting to reset the nervous system while you're mm-hmm. stuck in a stressed out experience. So there's not one way to meditate. You don't need to be sitting in a lotus position at a Zen monastery to do it. You know, the idea mm-hmm. of breathing alone, majority of people just don't breathe right. And that affects mm-hmm. the whole entire nervous system. Um, and if you're not getting enough oxygen, your brain's not working right. And if your brain's not working right, how are you going to focus and concentrate and, and do the daily activities that you need to do? And therefore, you're automatically putting yourself into a fight or flight response. So we can look at meditation as this hippy-dippy woo-woo thing, or we can look at meditation as a necessity in order to um, jumpstart your nervous system and your breathing so you can actually function optimally. I love the fact that, you know, you talked about how nutrition is a major part of what you do and that, you you know, that is something that's looked at because it seems to me that that, or how long has that approach been being taken? Because it, it was certainly wasn't done, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. Yeah. So I think it's funny. I had an experience with um, uh, uh, someone in my, in my building who's a psychiatrist and they were going around. Um, they knocked on my door and they're like, oh, I bought these extra sodas. Would you like them for my practice? And I know this person well enough to be blunt with them. And um, I, I used a, uh, a curse word in my explanation. And I basically said, I'm not going to say the word right now, but I basically said, like, there's no effing way that that's going to end up in my office. And they looked at me stunned. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, number one, it's genetically modified, which means that it's laden with pesticides. Number two, there's aspartame, which is one of the most insidious chemicals that's a uh, neurodisruptor and can cause mm. disruptions in your whole endocrine system. And she looked at me, shocked. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that's completely not true. I don't know where you're getting your research. Right? Mm. And this is coming from a person who literally just prescribes pills to solve a problem. Right? And maybe does some mm. talk therapy. But basically challenging me on the fact that mm. my research was wrong and bad when – I know in the reality in the world that I live in and the research I do and the people that I subscribe to as my mentors and guides, whether I know them or not, people that I follow, people that I research, there's a whole world of study of functional nutrition and functional medicine. And what they do is that Mm -hmm. instead of necessarily using medication, they use food and, and, and nutritional supplements to get to the core of the issue as opposed to just, just treating the symptoms. And that's also a, mm. my approach as a, as a therapist and a coach. I'm not worried about the, the symptoms. The symptoms are an outcome of something that's going on in your core beliefs and your core expectations or your core attempts to solve a problem. My job is to figure out what's the, what's the, you know, the, 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 the common denominator that's holding all those in place and, and, and functional medicine, functional nutrition, they use that lens to look at things more systemically than just as a symptom based management so, so what you do it sounds like there's not many people with the same approach and, and integrating all these different areas that, that you're using do, I, I imagine this is going to be the norm maybe at some time in the future how long do you think that might take it's already happening and it's and it's happening more and more than you might think it's just that people have to know to ask for it so i think there's two types of people uh, out there there's people who wish that they knew that there was something like this exists and they know that they're frustrated with their traditional uh, medical care, whether it's uh, from the therapy perspective or it's from their medical, so to speak, perspective. Um, And I think there's Mm -hmm. people that are already um, 
experimenting and going out of the box and they don't know that this world of integrative or complementary uh, integrative medicine exists and they they're, 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 they, they maybe have delved into it or tried it with one person, but they didn't know there was all these other modalities out there because they didn't go farther down the rabbit hole. And then I think there's people who are who are maybe laymen of it. They're actually practicing it in their own day to day life, where they're, um, you know, they're finding out what what's the best nutritional diet for them to be on based on symptoms. And maybe they are working with a with a supportive practitioner. Um, and then there's the practitioners like us who need to do a better job. Of, of, of promoting it and getting it out there. And, and thankfully you're allowing me the form right now to be able to do that and, and share that more with your listeners. Mm. In terms of exceeding expectations, what, what are the typical expectations? You know, someone comes in to see you and they just want to get whatever phobia or illness or whatever it is removed. How is it you're able to exceed that? Well, I think it goes back to everything we've been talking about so far is that the average person has either been to no therapists whatsoever and they have no clue what to expect except what they've seen on tv and movies the how does it make it feel how does it make you feel and let's talk about your mother you know that old school freudian mentality that Mm. they love showing and exploiting on television or maybe they see like a dr phil or um Mm. or to the opposite extreme they they you know uh they they may have seen some type of coaching uh online maybe a tony robbins type of thing or um where it's a very intense um, more in your face type of approach. And, and Tony's amazing. Mm. I'm a huge fan of his, but that also doesn't, you know, necessarily describe what every single person individually needs. So I think there's that. And then I think there's the people mm. who maybe have gone to a few other therapists or a few other uh, practitioners and are just like, I don't know what to do anymore. And I'm just resigned to trying something new, but I don't know if it's actually going to work. And I think mm. the exceeding expectations is that I bring in that home run formula, touching each of those bases um, right of the emotional, the toxicity, and the nutrition, and the structural, um, where I actually have a nutritionist in my practice. I actually have a chiropractor in my practice. And, mm. and if they're not personality-wise or symptom-based-wise the right fit, I know I'm confident enough that I have a great network of people to refer them out to. So my clients will know that I'm not just doing it to make money off them, but I'm actually going to put them with the right practitioner based on the expertise of what they need. And even though I have those, mm-hmm. you know, those, those resources in my office, I have no qualms about referring them out to someone else when it's appropriate. And, and in general, what are your thoughts on exceeding expectations and over-delivery, you know, just in, in business and life in general? Yeah, so I know one of my uh, things as I travel down this idea of entrepreneurship, which we uh, didn't get into so much as, an, as a certified entrepreneurial coach, is that the idea that I believe – that accountability, as well as someone clearly defining what their core values are in life, will help them exceed their own personal expectations. And I think people are kind of just walking through life, you know, kind of like you're driving in a fog and you can only see the next 5, 10, 15 yards in front of you. But mm. I challenge clients and I challenge my coaching clients, my therapy clients, and uh, people that are, that are in my life and your listeners to sit down um, and come up with five or so core values. It could be three, it could be five, it could be two, it could be one. That when they make decisions in their life, it goes back to that. So they know that they're in alignment with themselves. And that when they have to make a strong decision about a certain topic in their life, and you can have different core values for different topics. I have for my personal life, I have core values for my private practice, uh, for the business of my private practice. I have a different set of core values for my coaching practice. Um, I have a set of core values for, for relationships and dating. 
So when I'm looking at that experience and I need to make a decision whether it's the right fit or the wrong fit, I go back to that list of core values. And then I have my accountability group. I have an accountability that I talk to every every week. Um, and we hold each other accountable for, for living by those core values um, and setting action steps and goals based on what we want to achieve by reverse engineering it, right? That instead of saying, what's the 10 yards in front of me, what do I want the next 12 months to look like? And then come up with a game plan to reverse engineer that. And that's really um, how I would love to challenge everybody to not only um, how I can hold them accountable to exceeding expectations, but what they can um, what they can do in their own life. So I believe that people are only living up to a very small amount of their potential. And my job mm. is to really be a human optimizing specialist. And to get them to see how much more they can dive deeper and how much more of their own personal potential that they can tap into if they had someone realize, helping them be their rear view and side view mirror to get them out of their own way. I love that. Yeah, that's superb. Well, um, Jason, if people want to find out more about you and what you offer, what you do, where, where are the best places to look? Absolutely. So my website, which they can get a lot of great resources, um, not only about NET, but about um, – some of the other stuff I do is www.thefamilyroomsfl, and the SFL is southflorida.com. And uh, on Instagram, I can be followed Jason Wasser, W-A-S-S-E-R-L-M-F-T, which is Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, all is one word. Well, all of the links that you just mentioned, all of those will be in the show notes. So anyone who didn't catch any of those URLs, just have a look in the show notes and you can get the links to, to have a look at Jason's site or have a look at him on Instagram and, and so on. Jason, thank the, the information you supplied has been superb. I've loved it. It's been really interesting. Thank you. And I'd like, actually like to make a special um, gift to your listeners is that um, if they'd like to send me an email uh, through the website or through Insta, uh, through instant messenger on um, or DM on, on Instagram, and they want to help crafting their core values, um, they can reach out to me and I will send them a worksheet that I use with all my coaching clients. And I will actually walk them through the exact steps of what I do with my clients in order for them to create core values in their life. And I'll even offer them uh, a free coaching call if they would like, just as a special wow. to, your, to, your, to your listeners and to your community. No well, that is fantastic. That's very generous. Well, thank you, Jason. I'm sure some people will be taking you up on that. So, uh, well, best best of luck, Jason, for the future. And um, as you take over the world with your amazing services that you're offering people. Thanks so much. I really appreciate spending time with you. Hope you enjoyed that episode and next week on episode 44 is with Kim Ades. She's the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Kim really eats, sleeps and breathes coaching and it's a fascinating episode and we're going to hear quite a lot about different ways that you can approach coaching or different ways that Kim certainly uh, approaches coaching so that's all in, in next week's episode. Please do think about leaving us a review and do share the episode with people who you think may get value from uh, some of the information and some of the value that we were given by Jason in this week's episode. Hope you have a fantastic week and see you back next week.